Utah will always be the home base for BYU in terms of building their program on the backs of local products, but the Lone Star State, speaking of Texas, needs to be a higher priority for BYU. Have they done that this recruiting cycle? You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? I'm Jay Catch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider. Thank you for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day, and thank you to all of you who are everydayers with us right here on the Locked On Podcast Network on your only daily podcast focused on the BYU Cougars. Today's show is brought to you by our friends over at Bird Dogs. Of course, they've been a fantastic sponsor of ours for, uh, for about a week now, my friends. This episode is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash lockedoncollege, and we enter the promo code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE. They'll throw in a free custom Bird Dogs Yeti-style tumbler with every order. Once again, that's birddogs.com slash lockedoncollege. All right, diving right in on today's show. I am actually traveling back from vacation today, Monday, so this is a pre-recorded edition of Locked On Cougars. And uh, if you're watching this, I did not uh, return early and record a new podcast, but anything that happened while I'm out, we'll get to on tomorrow's show. But as I was kind of thinking about shows to pre-record as I was headed out the door on vacation, I was looking at different things, and last Tuesday, BYU offered an, another athlete out of, state, out of the state of Texas, and it made me wonder, okay, how many guys has BYU actually offered so far in this uh, recruiting class coming from the Lone Star State? Now, I, as I mentioned in the open, Utah and uh, kind of the West Coast will always be a home base for BYU to recruit from. They'll recruit from California, up the Pacific Coast, out into Hawaii, also Utah, Nevada, uh, Arizona, all those states they'll absolutely pull talent from. But as they go into the Big 12 era, they're going to need to continue to expand their recruiting profile. We've seen them offer guys in Atlanta, Atlanta, Georgia. We've seen them offer guys in Florida. The Midwest will be a new of, of new importance for BYU as they begin play in the Big 12 Conference. But Texas still reigns supreme. If you want to have any success, it feels like in college football, you need to have some Texans on your roster. Now BYU has had some great Texans in the past. Think of guys like Margin Hooks back over the years, Ross Oppo. Uh, if you went back through the history of BYU football, there have been great players who have come out of the Lone Star State and contributed to BYU in uh, meaningful ways. Now, over the past 20 or so years, there have been some Texans who have come through the program. I think of guys like Brandon Ogletree over the years who have come through uh, and have been good players for BYU. But I truly believe BYU, as they go into this Big 12 era, needs to recruit Texas more heavily than they already have in the past little bit. And uh, based on my very quick research looking at this, I can see up to 10 offers to Texas high school athletes in this recruiting site. They also uh, got a guy that was a transfer portal ad addition, excuse me, in Dion Smith, who's originally from the Houston, Texas area. So BYU is making it more of a priority. The biggest thing they're going to have to show out there on the recruiting trail when it comes to getting athletes like this, though, is that those guys can come to BYU, thrive in the system, star, and then when other athletes watching them uh, see them see BYU play and then see that uh, so-and-so is from quote-unquote city in Texas, that is going to be a big opportunity for BYU to become a bigger player in terms of recruiting the Lone Star State. They've made a good uh, indent, it feels like, as they've thrown out offers this year, and I know that there are guys probably paying attention to the Big 12's happening, saying, okay, BYU's part of the Big 12. They'll be playing here in Texas a little bit. Now, obviously, Texas is leaving the Big 12 and going to the SEC, but they're still Texas Tech. There's Houston. 
There's Baylor. Uh, they're still in the Big 12, and that obviously gives those guys an opportunity to potentially go home and play in front of their family and friends down there in the state of Texas. And that's why I think BYU needs to be better about recruiting this. Like I said, you're always going to be uh, trying to bring guys in from Utah. And Utah per capita, based on the population size of Utah, three-plus million uh, residents. But Utah really uh, kind of outperforms in terms of producing high-level talent for the FBS ranks. There are always going to be programs from both the Big 12, the Pac-12, the SEC, the Big Ten, who are going to come in here and poach away some of that talent. But the best thing BYU can do is absolutely try and capitalize locally, but at the same time, hey, Go out there and spread your wings a little bit with regards to your recruiting profile. There are kids out there who may not have ever heard of BYU who are going to be exposed to the brand of Brigham Young University football for the first time in the upcoming seasons as BYU begins playing the Big 12 Conference. The nice part is there's a lot of young men who may not have heard of BYU, but they live the values, they live the honor code uh, structured type life that would fit in at BYU. And the important thing for BYU to do is to go out and find those guys and recruit them and uh, bring them into the program and hopefully see them thrive as BYU Cougars. Now, like I said, this is all kind of conjecture at this point and some of it's projecting ahead, but it is my firm belief that BYU, as they go into the Big 12, yes, recruiting in the Midwest is going to be important. Recruiting in Florida is going to be important. Maybe getting down into Georgia, etc., and getting some of those athletes out of there are absolutely going to be critical. But like I said, Texas, they produce on, on average every single year more high school talent than a lot of states will ever produce in like 20 years. It's just, it's absolutely absolutely incredible how much talent is being pumped out of the Lone Star State. It's not a, it's not a, what am I trying to say? It's, it's, it's not a fallacy that high school football in the state of Texas is a religion. It absolutely is. Texans love their high school football. And the best part is they have the population base that produces high level talent. And the best part is not all of Baylor, Houston, Texas, Texas A&M, SMU, all, not all of them can scoop up all that talent in that state. Not all of them want to stay in the state of Texas. So BYU, I'm appreciative of the fact that the coaching staff has realized, hey, you know what? We have an opportunity here to go out and really kind of establish ourselves and recruit in Texas to a higher level. And I hope they will continue to do that because, like I said, it's absolutely critical, it feels like, for BYU as they kind of go into this new era where they're going to be playing more often in Texas to capitalize on the fact that they'll be there more often. For years, as an independent program, they played all over the country. And did it necessarily result in BYU recruiting at a national level? Eh, to a degree, but I think the national national level of BYU's recruiting is more kind of structured around the fact that BYU is sponsored by the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and people who are of the faith around the country are uh, letting BYU's recruiting staff and coaches know, hey, I've got this athlete growing up in my area, etc. that you may want to look at. And the best thing is that that's going to continue in the Big 12 era. I, I Trust me, I've got a friend who actually uh, lived for a time uh, down there in kind of the, it was the Austin, well, it was between Austin and San Antonio. You guys know what I'm talking about, that area. And he actually reached out to BYU recruiting and said, hey, this young man uh, grew up in my neighborhood. He's not a member of the faith, but he has uh, some interest potentially in BYU. This is shortly after they had announced they're going to join the Big 12. Nothing ever came of it. If I recall correctly, I think this kid committed. I don't remember where he committed to. I apologize. Uh, But he he ultimately uh, picked another program, but it was kind of indicative, and I know that you guys out there watching and or listening to this podcast can relate to this. There were people who were aware of this young man, had kind of observed him, got to know him a little bit, and said, hey, he, he could fit at BYU. Even though he's not a member of the LDS faith, he can still fit in with the structure of BYU football. The important thing for BYU is to identify as many of those guys and young men as they can. And this also goes for other programs for BYU, not just football, but we all know that football is the lifeblood of BYU athletics and any 
athletic department. So finding those young men and expanding your talent base and the recruiting pool that's already so limited for BYU is going to be very, very important for them as they continue to build out this program. The nice part is, like I said, the connections with the LDS faith and members literally nation and worldwide will continue to kind of drive some talent towards BYU. But at the same time, the Cougars also have to do their homework and hopefully capitalize on this new opportunity they have as they go into the Big 12 here. Now, got some intel uh, they're going to pass along to you about a potential addition to BYU. I guess it would be via the transfer portal, but it's a little bit of an interesting story. And we'll talk about this athlete and why he would be an important addition for BYU uh, as we continue on right here on Locked On Cougars. Now, a quick word on Bird Dogs, our friends, uh, new sponsors here on the Locked On Cougars podcast and with the Locked On Podcast Network. Folks, these shorts they sent me are absolutely awesome. The best part is they breathe. That's the most important thing. I I told you guys, if you're watching this on YouTube, I've trimmed down the beard a little bit. I got really, really hot playing golf last week and decided, you know what? The beard ain't it. The best part is is Bird Dogs, the shorts breathe, they stretch, they move with you. So you're not going to feel like you're being constricted. You're also not being suffocated at the same time as the weather gets warmer here along the Wasatch Front anywhere else. We don't have a ton of humidity here in Utah, but more importantly, it feels like these would fit in almost anywhere. The best part is you've got a number of high-level celebrities out there, if you want to call them that, who have worn these and endorsed them. Guys like Burt Kreischer, who's one of those uh, uh, comedians of note. Dave Portnoy from Barstool Sports. Uh, uh, Pardon my take host, uh, PFT. Uh, uh, They absolutely know exactly what they're doing. So The best part is they are the best fitting shorts I have worn in quite some time, and the best part is they stretch with yeah, and that's the, the versatility of them is unmatched. You can wear them anywhere you want. Golf course, date night, to a meeting it feels like. And they're not just shorts. They've also got pants available too. So get over to birddogs.com slash college and get started today on your order. If you order today and use the promo code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE, you'll get one of these really cool things if you're watching this on YouTube. It is a Yeti-inspired uh, uh, tumbler from our friends at Bird Dogs. So you get a really cool tumbler in addition to getting some fantastic shorts. Once again, that's birddogs.com slash LOCKEDONCOLLEGE college and get started today once again birddogs.com slash locked on college Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day, and thank you for making us a part of your routine. Thank you for being an everyday or with us here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Now, uh, a couple of notes for you guys on uh, the transfer portal front for BYU is that I was talking with somebody last week, and they mentioned the name to me, Simi Mowala. And if that name sounds familiar, hopefully it does, because he was a very, very high-level player for the University of Utah uh, when he was uh, with the Utes. The more important thing I love about a guy like Simi Mowala is that this is an interesting story, because... Because he was a guy who transferred out of Utah and had announced he was going to play for Jackson State. He was going to go down and play for Coach Prime uh, this past season at Jackson State. For whatever reason, he did not enroll at Jackson State. He's been sitting out since that time. He's originally from Inglewood, California, six foot seven, three hundred pound athlete. Uh, came to Utah, if I recall correctly. Originally committed as a defensive lineman, but made the transition to offensive line. But the important part here, I feel like, is he could be a really, really nice depth piece at minimum for BYU, if not an outright starter for BYU on the offensive front. He was a former honorable mention all-conference honoree for the Pac-12 as a redshirt freshman. Uh, Started 18 games across 21 career games for Utah. Uh, Four of them at left tackle, 14 at right tackle, and speaking of those starts. But the important part is, it feels like, is BYU may benefit from a guy who kind of fell off the radar in a way. Now, I don't think BYU ever lost track of him. I don't think some uh, Utah fans lost track of him, but I don't know exactly what the circumstances were that led to him not enrolling at Jackson State and playing this past season, but BYU could get Simi Moala into their program if everything goes according to what I I am hearing on this front 
and he could add to an already really, really deep and talented offensive line for BYU. Kind of goes back to a conversation we had last week, for those of you who are everydayers with us, that we talked about the fact with the Deion Smith edition, this was a week ago Monday, we talked about the fact that BYU maybe didn't necessarily need a running back per se. If you looked at the depth chart and you're kind of looking at how many guys are in that position group room, but I think the Cougars understand they can never have too many talented bodies in this program going into the Big 12 era. It's all about having that quality depth if not outright stars for your football program. If BYU truly wants to be the football program they aspire to be, you've got to have talent in the in the pipeline. And a guy like Simi Moala, when he's a former honorable mention all-conference honoree, you could do a lot worse than adding him to your roster. Now, I would assume he's probably going to be a guy who comes via the transfer portal. I don't necessarily know how that's all going to work out because if he never enrolled at Jackson State, I would assume he's still, not, still technically a transfer portal guy. But... Like I said, I had a conversation with somebody who said, hey, keep an eye on Simi Moala. Does it ultimately work out when he enrolls at BYU? No, that's still very much up in the air, but all in indications that based on what I was hearing are that he is going to be a member of the BYU football program if he ultimately decides to play football this fall. And like I said, if you can get an all-conference type player into your program that, like I said, fell off the radar potentially, that'd be a huge Huge addition for BYU football. And like I said, we'll, we'll see if it ultimately pans out that way. Uh, it's Like I said, it's not a done deal. But this goes back to the point that BYU is kind of scouring high and low. Transfer portal, junior college ranks, high school ranks. And even in this case, a guy who uh, was supposed to go to a program, didn't enroll, and may have, like I said, uh, kind of slipped through the cracks. This could be a fantastic depth piece at minimum for BYU. Speaking of Moala coming in, and he'll automatically, I think, would challenge for playing time right away as well on the offensive front for BYU. So it, it just it, it's a really, really nice uh, thing that BYU is doing here is going back to me talking about recruiting in Texas. They're expanding their wings recruiting wise, but at the same time, like I said, they're looking high and low uh, with a fine tooth comb to find any and all options to add to this roster. And I'm feeling more and more confident about BYU being a, a good program, maybe not an awesome program this year, year one in the Big 12, but I think that six win mark for BYU, I think it absolutely should be the floor for the Cougars this year. Maybe is more of my thinking now as things progress. Now, ultimately, injuries could derail this. Uh, guys uh, not getting the work done on the football field, that type of stuff could derail all of it. But right now, uh, sitting just over 100 days out from the start of the football season for BYU, I'm feeling more and more confident about BYU's chances year one. Like I said, I'm not expecting them to go out there and make a run towards the Big 12 title game, but at the same time, it's not out of the question that BYU, I think, is going to be bowl eligible here. So, We'll see where it ultimately shakes out for the Cougars, but uh, very much looking forward to seeing uh, where things ultimately land. And hopefully BYU can add Simi Moala to the roster. Does that happen before fall camp? I don't know. I don't know the timeline on this, but he was a name that was mentioned to me, and I figured, you know what? Our Locked On Cougars family deserves to know about this as well. And obviously, uh, I try and pass along the most pertinent information I can to all of you out there who join us on a daily basis, or if you're just checking us out for the first time, hopefully you'll be back tomorrow for more information like this as we catch up on everything that happened while I was out on vacation. All right, coming up here in just a minute, we'll finish out today's show with another look back at another game in BYU football history. Uh, a game that BYU, uh, kind of rude uh, losing this. It was another tough loss for BYU up on the blue turf as they took on the Boise State Broncos. We'll get to all of that here in just a moment. First, a word on our friends over at uh, Perry Homes. They've been working with us for the past few months, my friends. And the best part about Perry Homes is they have got options for you. 50 unique home designs out there from Ramblers, two stories, even townhomes. They've got quick moving homes. They they call them spec homes. I think they technically call them out there when it comes to your opportunities to uh, get into a home right away. If you need to move, uh, 
right, like right now. The best part is Perry Homes is here to give you guys all the options they have available to you now. The best part is they've been working in Utah for the past 50 years and they want to be your home builder. The best part is they got communities, home designs, and price points all across the board to help meet your needs. Whether you're a high roller who's looking to build your dream home, the one you're going to retire in, or if you're like me who's kind of pre-rich, I know that Jeff Hansen and uh, Garrett McClintock over at Given Hell Brigham talk about this. The pre-rich types, they can help you guys out as well. So they got uh, communities in Davis, Salt Lake, Tooele, and Utah counties, as well as multiple communities in Washington, Washington County near St. George. So no matter where you want to live, Perry Homes has got an option for you. So visit PerryHomesUtah.com to see what's new in Utah's finest neighborhoods. That's PerryHomesUtah.com to learn more now. For 50 years, Utah has been coming home to Perry Homes. All right, uh, moving on on today's show, a couple of notes before we go, and a big thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars a part of your routine, my friends. Hope you guys had a fantastic weekend, no matter what you were doing out on the golf course, honey-do list, uh, in my case, out on vacation. Hope it was a fantastic weekend. Uh, the weather very much starting to feel more spring and summer-like as we uh, move deeper and deeper into May, and I uh, cannot wait uh, for those summer nights. They'll be here before too long. But nonetheless, a couple of notes before we go on today's show. BYU in the 2016 season, we last left off with them uh, winning a thriller in double overtime over Mississippi State. They traveled up to the blue turf to take on number 14 Boise State in a game that I, going into, was like, okay, BYU BYU's got a tough uh, road to hoe here, as they say. Boise State was 6-0 coming into this one. They were number 14 in the country. It's kind of the last heyday, in a way, of Boise State being that quote-unquote uh, true powerhouse. Brett Rippon was the quarterback for Boise State in this one. He ended up with a monster game, 442 yards, three touchdowns against two interceptions. But the tough part was BYU went into the blue turf, a place that they had not won up to this point, and found themselves in an absolute dogfight going back and forth. Now, Taysom Hill... Uh, was outdone by Brett Rippon, but he finished with 187 yards passing as well as 48 yards uh, with a touchdown uh, on the ground. But just, it was a crazy, crazy game. Boise State raced out to a 14-0 lead at the end of the first quarter. Many of you will recall BYU in the second quarter kind of fired back. It was 21-17 Boise State at halftime. BYU actually uh, took the lead at 24-21 in the third quarter. But then in the fourth quarter, when it really mattered the most, BYU just could not get the job done, get over the hump, and just yet another Another disappointing loss for BYU as they lost this one. As you will recall, uh, Diane Lake and Fred Warner both had touchdowns defensively for BYU in this game. And it was one of those games that was just utterly frustrating because it would just add to the frustration. BYU, I remember watching this game thinking, what is it going to take for BYU ever to win on the blue turf up there in Boise? There's like this hex over it that BYU just could not win up there on the blue in Boise. And uh, it just, it kind of was one of those things that was utterly frustrating because BYU losing by one point in this game. We're going to talk here in a little bit about uh, the game that Zach Wilson had the ball on the two-yard line and couldn't get a playoff to win that one against Boise State up on the blue turf. What would it take to ultimately get over the hump against Boise State? Well, ultimately, I think it would take a guy like Tyler Algier to run all over him, but we'll talk about that down the road here as we continue on with these look-backs at all these games. But like I said, this game, just one of those games that makes you think, what could have been for BYU? Because that dropped them to 4-4 and on the season, and a lot of these losses BYU had suffered during the 2016 season 
were very, very close. A one-point loss at Utah, a three-point loss against UCLA, losing to West Virginia out there at FedEx Field by three points, and losing this one by one point. BYU in the 2019, excuse me, not 2019, 2016 season, my dyslexia strikes there because I was looking at 2016 and somehow I turned it into 2019, but nonetheless, uh, all those losses, a grand total of eight points uh, separated them from going potentially 13-0 this year. As we all know, the season ended up 9-4, and and after this loss, they didn't lose again the rest of the year, but just it was one of those seasons, speaking of 2016 and this final loss of the season for BYU against Boise State, kind of was just the case in point. They were so close to being such a good, elite team, and a couple of plays here and there might have turned the tide for BYU in that season, but ultimately, they just kind of fell a little bit short, and we'll talk about uh, the start of a win streak on tomorrow's show as BYU would return, excuse me, they would actually head out on the road uh, to Cincinnati to take on the Bearcats, who are now a member of the Big 12, alongside BYU for the first of a meeting, uh, a few meetings, excuse me, no, it was two, two meetings between the two in the independent era for BYU, but uh, crazy, crazy times were about to unfold as BYU looked at a month of uh, uh, December, it, was, it would have been November, uh, going into December, that they would have an up and down run here, but they would ultimately run roughshod through the fin- final uh, five games of this season. We'll talk about all those starting with the Cincinnati game on our tomorrow edition of, uh, excuse me, on tomorrow's edition of Locked on Cougars. I'm getting all kinds of tongue tied since I uh, screwed up that 2016 and 2019, but nonetheless, a big thank you for joining us here on Locked On Cougars. A reminder that I am back from vacation starting tomorrow, so uh, anything I miss, and I inevitably my wife jokes all the time that all the news seems to break when I go out on vacation. I may get some shorts in uh, in the meantime, but uh, if you saw those uh, while things were playing out, We'll get you caught up on more of my kind of full thoughts on everything going on in BYU sports on tomorrow's edition when we return to quote-unquote live programming right here on Locked On Cougars. So big thank you once again for making us your first listen of the day. Hope you guys are all doing well out there in Cougar Nation, wherever you might be, and thank you for being everydayers with us here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Until tomorrow, have a great rest of your day. This has been the Locked On Cougars Podcast. See ya.